All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. We're going to go to the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter 4. And uh, this is the account of Jesus meeting with that Samaritan woman at the well. I know we've looked at some different aspects of that before. And we're really not going to deal so much with uh, Jesus and his interaction with this woman as we are uh, more or less just to take, take a look at kind of the end of the story, if you will, and consider uh, the, the change that took place in the Samaritan woman's life and what that resulted in in terms of her witness to others, all right? Uh, on Wednesday nights, we've kind of uh, taken some time and just discussed this subject of, uh, of being a witness and telling others about Christ. And tonight, we're going to look at this particular account and learn some things about how to be a witness for the Lord. So if you're in John chapter 4, let's stand together as we read. Uh, we'll just begin reading in verse number uh, 28, all right? You know the story. Uh, Jesus has been talking to this woman. Uh, she came to the well looking for water. Uh, and Jesus told her of the living water himself, that he was the answer to her need. It says in verse 28 of John 4, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Look down a little bit further, if you would, in verse number 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. Thank you. You can be seated tonight. One of the things that happens sometimes as we are reading the Bible, we tend to put a lot of focus and a lot of attention on the people that are actually spoken of directly in the Bible. And, I mean, that's obvious, right? The Bible takes the time to list out these people and, and, and tell us things about their lives. Some of them we know, most of them we know by name. This particular woman we don't. But we know something about their story. We know something about them. But there are actually multitudes of other people in the Bible that we really don't know much of anything about that are just kind of referenced in a general sense of a group of people. In this particular passage, it's the, the people of the city of Samaria. They just, we don't know exactly how many there were. There were just many of them. Or we could look at, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, the 3,000 who were saved and baptized and added to the church. We don't know anything about them. We don't know their names. Uh, we don't know where, where all they were from other than the, the list of where the, uh, in the, earlier in the chapter where all these different people were from that were in Jerusalem at the time. We don't know anything about them as individuals. And so because of this, we, we tend to think of specifically the people that the Bible talks about, but fail to realize that actually much of what happens, in, most of what happens in the Bible affects way more people than just the few that we know. In other words, again, we, we look at, we read through the, the history of the nation of Israel. We, we, we read of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and how God used Moses. But Moses wasn't just Moses, right? He was leading a couple of million people through the wilderness. So all these things that happened to Moses actually affected millions of other people. Or we read about the kings and we, we, we see the specifics of those individuals, but we don't always consider all of the people of the nation that they were governing. 
right? And do you, do you ever stop to think that even when it comes to the issue of salvation, there are certain individuals we can point to. We read of their salvation testimony in the Bible, but there are multitudes more that we have no idea who they were, how they came to Christ exactly. And really, the, the names and the people that we know are almost just kind of the highlights, and I would say in a lot of ways just the catalyst for the way that God's plan unfolds and affects all people everywhere. So, in other words, what I'm getting at here is, in this particular instance, we've got one individual who's spoken of, Jesus is dealing with this woman, but the things that Jesus did in her life affected the lives of a great many others. Not only directly in that time, but even yet today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her. We're still learning from her life and her testimony. And did you know that I really believe that that's always been God's plan? God works in, in such a way, he deals with us on an individual level, but God's plan, God's big picture, isn't just individuals. It's the world. Jesus said the field is the world. It, it, it's all people everywhere. The Bible describes it in the book of Revelation, those who will be gathered around the throne from every people and tongue and tribe and nation. I mean, God is working among the masses, but he's doing it through individuals. Now think about this. We, we heard even on Sunday night how the Lord has a plan for us to carry the gospel to every creature in the world. But that is done through individuals like you and me. And in this case, it was done in the life of the Samaritan woman. And so I want to take this example of this woman and some others tonight in the next few moments, and just talk about how we can be better witnesses for Christ as individuals reaching multitudes. Individuals reaching multitudes. All right, so the first thing I want to point out to you is the model of evangelism. The model of evangelism. Look at verse number 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men... Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. In other words, there is an individual woman who had a somewhat of a theological discourse with Jesus... And Jesus pointed her to Christ. This we, we've used, I've used this. I've preached this and, and taught on, on, uh, on how to be a, a, a personal witness, how to give the gospel using Jesus' example in dealing with her. But she then goes, and, and, and her approach isn't to go and, and have a theological discourse with other, uh, with other people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but here's what she does. She goes and she gives her testimony and by her own personal witness, other people come to Christ. Now, here's, here's why this is important. Because I believe that so often, because we look at the highlights, we have this idea in our head 
that in order for people to be saved, they need someone who can come to them and really reason with them and, and, and work through the scriptures with them and, 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 and you know, defend positions apologetically and win an argument and all these things. And a lot of Christians are intimidated by that and they feel like, well, I just can't do that. And so what happens is the responsibility of evangelism gets put on the few. The preacher, the missionary, the one who has the gift of evangelism, but the reality is that the model, the biblical model, the, the vast majority of people that came to Christ in the New Testament and from that time forward were reached simply by the witness of another person. There was someone who came to them and brought them to Christ. In other words, again, please don't misunderstand me. I am not against mass evangelism. We're taking time on Saturday to have organized outreach where we go out into the community and we're trying to engage people in conversations about Christ and all of those things. We're trying to bring the gospel to them. We will continue to do that. We support missionaries who do that all the time. That's what they do. This, this is what we do. However, most people that come to Christ don't come to Christ because some stranger that they've never met before knocked on their door and told them of Christ. Some do. But most people that get saved get saved because someone they know who is saved came to them, witnessed to them, told them of Christ. By the way, I would be an example of that. I got saved as a result of being raised in a Christian home where my parents told me of Christ and how to be saved, where they brought me to church so that I could hear the gospel uh, there as well. I had a, a, a grandmother who influenced me and taught me the Bible, and, and I'm just saying that there were individuals who just invested in my life, people that I knew, family that I knew who invested in me. It wasn't like someone just passed, passed a track to me on, a street, on the street one day and I got saved. Now, I know people do. I know people who have. But the reality is most of us have come to Christ because someone who was part of our life, someone that we knew, told us of how to be saved. This has always been the plan. This has always been the biblical model. It's a personal witness. Hold your place here in John chapter 4. And go with me, if you would, to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter 5. And we'll look at verse number 18, beginning in verse 18. Jesus here uh, has just cast out the devils out of that man who was uh, possessed with devils there at Gadara. And look what it says in verse number 18. And when he was come into the ship... He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. What's he saying? Okay, you want to be with me. You want to go and travel and preach to strangers. That's all fine. That's all well and good. But you would actually be more effective in your witness going to the people that you know and that know you and telling them what Christ has done for you. You would be more effective. Now, here's the thing. 
We strategize. We plan. What are we going to do? How are we going to evangelize? How are we going to go out into our community? How are we going to try to reach other towns? But the reality is, it starts with the people we know. It starts with the people who are part of our lives. Now, I hope that on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, you'll come and help us as we try to reach strangers with the gospel. But I want you to know this. You have a greater opportunity with people in your life that you know. I mean, if I, if I go out Saturday morning and I get one conversation with someone that I can talk to them for 10 or 15 minutes about the gospel, I'll be elated jumping up and down. But you could have a 10 or 15 minute conversation about the gospel with a coworker or a neighbor or a family member just about any time you want. Think about that. God's plan has always been for us to reach other people by personal witness. We're, we're, uh, our text is in John 4, but let's go to John 1. And I want to show you this, uh, this pattern, even from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This was how some of his own disciples were reached. Look at verse 35 of John chapter 1. It says, and again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So right there, you've got the situation. Peter, the apostle Peter, was reached by his brother who had become a follower of Christ. And now he goes to Simon Peter and he says, hey, we found the Messiah. Come and see. <laughs> come and find out. Why don't you come and meet the man that I've met? Now, it's interesting to me that here... Andrew is identified as Simon Peter's brother. In other words, this is how Andrew became known because Simon Peter became the more famous of the two. But Peter would have never been Peter had it not been for Andrew coming to him and bringing him to Christ. Now, read on a little bit further. Verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And so here you have two of these four apostles that are mentioned here that were reached by someone that they knew coming and saying, hey, you need, to, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet Jesus. He's the Messiah. What am I getting at? 
the model, the biblical model of evangelism is not only going and preaching to strangers. That's part of it. It's absolutely part of it. I'm not saying we neglect that. But the biblical model, the multitudes that end up being reached most of the time are reached because of personal witness by people who know them. Who has God put in your life that needs to be saved? This Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 had a reputation. And she went, not to strangers. It would have been easy, wouldn't it have been for her to say, you know what, I, I've got such a bad reputation in this community. Nobody's going to listen to me. Let me go and tell someone else that I've never met, that doesn't know my past. Let me go tell them about Christ. But she didn't. She went first to the people that knew her. And that is because, this is the model of evangelism, but as we look back in John chapter 4, the method of evangelism, look at this, verse 29, here is the method. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Now I want to point out to you that this is a distinct, this is not the same thing as what Paul did in Acts chapter 17, where he went into the synagogue and reasoned with them out of the scriptures, how Christ must needs have suffered. In other words, she's not going and trying to give them all of the apologetic reasons of why they need to believe on Christ. Here is is her message. He told me everything that I ever did. Her message was... Come see what Jesus did for me. In other words, it was her own personal testimony that she was using to point others to Christ. She was telling others of how Jesus changed her. Now, This is very important because I believe this. Souls will not be saved without the word of God. The gospel must be presented. Jesus said, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We've got to present the gospel to people. But the problem is, when we speak of the gospel in a philosophical or theological sense, a lot of times it it's hard for people to really grasp if they don't have an illustration, a real-world application. In other words, we can talk about all the finer points of the gospel and how a person can be saved, but really nothing is more powerful than saying, let me tell you how this worked for me. Let me kind of maybe bring this to a modern-day illustration here. Think of it this way. Have you, how many of you have ever looked into, don't be ashamed, how many of you have ever looked into different diet plans that are out there? Or fitness goals, fitness plans. Okay? And there are, there are two different ways of presenting these things. One is a doctor or a personal trainer sits down 
and explains to you how the body metabolizes different types of food and what happens in your body when you exercise this way and when you sleep this way and when you drink this much water. This is the technical explanation of how all these things are working. And some people sit there and they just eat it up and most people are like, okay. And if you were to try and explain it to someone else, it'd be like, well, I don't remember exactly how, something about this and how this, uh, something about this particular type of protein, and I don't know. Just give me the pills, you know. Here's the other way of presenting it. Before and after pictures. Right? I used to look like this. Now I look like this, you know. I mean, hey, okay. Here is my testimonial of what happened to me when I applied this in my life. Now, we have kind of been conditioned to reject a lot of times sales pitches, have we not? But what about when a trusted friend says to us, listen, this isn't a gimmick. It worked for me. Does that, not call, does that not give some credibility to what someone else might be trying to say? Now, that's a silly example, just a worldly example, but the reality is you can try to give the gospel to people, and a lot of times it just goes over their head, or they're not interested. But when you sit down and say, let me tell you how Christ changed my life. Let me tell you what the gospel did for me. Now all of a sudden you're taking the truth of the word of God. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing the word of God. I understand the power that is revealed here. But I also know that the the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. When we take the truth of this... And we're able to say, here's what it did in my life. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Our testimony matters. Paul spoke of his testimony. You remember in John chapter 9, the man who, the man who was born blind and Jesus healed him, and the Pharisees were all angry about it, and they said, admit it, he's a sinner. You remember what, you remember what he said? I don't know about all that. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know about all that, but here's what I do know. I was blind, now I see. I maybe can't explain it all. That man wasn't even saved yet. <laughs> He'd get saved later. But here was his testimony. I'm not going to sit here and debate with you whether he's a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. And there's no denying that. And friend, there is power in your personal testimony. To say, I was blind and now I see. Christ made a change in me. I love the statement in verse number 28. It seems like it's an insignificant, unimportant piece of information, but it's really not. The woman then left her water pot. 
I mean, why doesn't it just simply say the woman went her way into the city? What does it matter if she was carrying her water pot or not? Well, this is an indication that something had changed because she went to the well for water. But she came back without that water because what she went there for wasn't so important anymore. There was something that had changed in her. She was excited about this truth that she had received and she wanted others to hear it. Now, in order to give people our testimony, we have to have a testimony. There, there has to be a story to tell. This isn't a made-up story. I'm not saying manufacture some semblance of a testimony that you can give. What I'm saying is before you have a message to tell, you yourself must be converted. There was the model of evangelism, personal witness, the method of evangelism, giving personal testimony. But let me say this, there's a specific message. This message, look at verse 29. This is what she says. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. I said a moment ago that you must have a testimony. But I want to be very clear. It is not your testimony that is going to win the hearts of people. Your testimony may bring some reality to the situation. But your goal is not to convince someone. You're not trying to win them to yourself. You're trying to win them to Christ. And here's what I think happens sometimes. People think, well, I'm not that woman that had five husbands and now was living with this guy who wasn't her husband and she had this reputation and, and then everything changed. And I'm not that demon-possessed man at Gadara that had this total like outward total transformation and I'm not the Apostle Paul who hated and killed Christians and then all of a sudden began preaching Jesus. My testimony just isn't very powerful because I was raised in church and saved as a kid and so I just don't really have a very good story to tell. The story is not the important part. It's not how, how gripping your testimony is. Because the goal is not to win people to yourself. The goal is to point people to Jesus and say, come see a man. Come and meet my Jesus. And let me tell you this, if you are genuinely a child of God and you have been born again, there will be evidence of it in your life. Now it may manifest itself a little bit differently in the life of someone who was not out in the world and hooked on drugs and, and involved in criminal activity and in all kinds of debauchery and sin. It may look different 
on that person who was raised in a good home and lived a moral life. It may look a little bit different on the outside, but the inward change is the same. Because before I came to Christ, even as a young boy, before I came to Christ, my heart was just as wicked and just as filthy and just as sinful as any person on the street today or sitting in prison today. In fact, it may have even been worse because it was covered over with a whole lot of hypocrisy and self-righteousness. But the reality of my testimony, and if you're a child of God, the reality of your testimony isn't what I used to be, it's in who I am today in Christ. It's the hope that I have in Christ, the confidence I have in Him. The power of your testimony is the fact that I live my life today the way that I do because of what He has done for me. Not in order that I might be right with Him, but because He has saved me, now the love of Christ constraineth me. That's where the power of your testimony uh, becomes, becomes effectual. It is in who He is. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Now, look down to verse number 39, and notice this with me. He says, and It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. I, I love this. One woman, we know some things about her. We don't know her name, but we know a lot of things about her. We know the interaction of how she came to Christ and all of that. This is one, but because of her... Now many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Many came to Christ because of her witness. And then look down just a little bit further, and verse 41, it says, and many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Many believed because of her testimony, and many more believed simply because they came to hear Jesus. And friend, it's not about your testimony as much as it is about him who is the Savior of the world. And they said to the woman, I think it's interesting, they, they felt like they had to come and tell this woman, we believe because of who he is. But many believed and many more believed because a woman was willing to say to people who knew her, come see a man. And can I encourage you tonight to determine in your heart that you're going to strive to be a witness, not just to strangers, but to people who know you. Find ways to tell them 
of how Christ has worked in your life. Get the gospel to them that they too may receive him. I'll admit that being a witness to people that we know and interact with on a regular basis is more challenging in many ways than being a witness to strangers. Now, maybe you're someone who, you, you know, you don't really like striking up conversations with strangers. Maybe you're a little bit introverted. That's understandable. And I understand that's a hurdle to overcome. But there is something to the fact of I can witness to a stranger, turn around and walk away with a pretty good chance that I'm never going to see them again. And it takes some of the challenge out of it. I'll be honest and admit that it's sometimes easier for me to go to a foreign country and tell people about Christ than it is to have meaningful spiritual conversations with my neighbors. But who do I have a better opportunity with? Is it not the people that God has put in my life that I can interact with on a regular basis? Come see a man which told me all that ever I did.